Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. How y'all doing? So do me a favor real quick. Just look around you like five feet radius. And if you're sitting next to someone who's exceptionally good looking, like, like go ahead and just slip your hand up. Like this person looks good. All right. Now, if you're not raising your hand, like that might, uh, you know, I don't know what that says about the other person. I'm sorry. But like, like just around you and like you're you, like, you could reach out and touch someone, you know, you're looking at someone that looks good. Okay. Now, if you are not single, drop your hand. Wow. If you're not single, drop your hand. Okay. Now everyone look around real quick. Everyone look around. All right. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. We're going to get into the Bible tonight. I'm excited. The title of my talk tonight is Viewmasters. Viewmasters. And, and we're going to start in John chapter 8. In verse 1, Jesus is here, and he's, you know, typical Sunday morning Jesus, like every or, everyday ordinary Sunday morning Jesus. He's in the temple, and he's teaching, all right? So it says in John chapter 8 and verse 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he went back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and said, uh, teacher, excuse me, uh, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says to stone her. Uh, but what do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him in uh, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and continued writing in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Uh, doesn't, didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Tonight I want to talk to you about how we view God's view of us and how that affects us. You know, uh, do we really believe that God is a good God, that God is a God of love, that God is a God of forgiveness, patience, and kindness? Or do we say we believe that, but really we know, we know what his face is like. We know what his countenance is like. You know, this woman had obviously heard of Jesus. She probably knew that Jesus was claiming to be the sons of God. And so whenever she got caught in the act of adultery, which is like a really awkward scene, we'll visit that later, uh, and gets brought in front of Jesus to be judged, you could only expect what she could be expecting as the son of God looked at her in her deplorable state. And oftentimes, you know, we find ourselves in a moment of weakness, in a moment of sin, in a moment of, uh, of, of missing the mark, per se. 
And we have to ask ourselves, how does God view me? How does God treat me? Even in my moment of sin, how does God treat me? Let's pray as we get into this day. Father, I thank you for opening our eyes to see, opening our ears to hear, our mind to understand, and our heart to receive everything you have for us tonight. Speak to us through your word. And we thank you, Father, for something that's real, that's practical, not just some fabricated religion, something that we just shout about because we get high on emotion, Father, but something that really hits our soul, that hits the core of our being and changes us from the inside out. We're expecting your power to come in through your word and change us, change the way we think, talk, and walk tonight, Father. In Jesus' name. And Father, last time I was up here, I prayed specifically to bring Cortados to Shreveport uh, by the hand of Austin Elgin, the legend. And you did that for me, Father. So right now, I'm on a roll right now. I'm on a one-for-one winning streak. So I'm also going to ask for a truck yard here, Father. I'm talking like bring up our quality of food truck standards here in Shreveport. Something like we got in downtown Dallas. Let's move that here, Father. A cool place where we can hang out and have good food trucks 24-7 in Jesus' name, you believe that? Say amen. Awesome. How many of y'all ever take, grow up taking family vacations? Anyone in here? Family vacation people in here? Okay, I was born in Washington State, and when I was six months old, for whatever reason, my parents moved me and our whole family to the godless land of Oklahoma. You know, we were missionaries. There are people there who need saving. So they went there, you know, following after the call of God. Don't know if really God actually told them to go there, but, you know, that's still up for debate. Anyway, so we took a lot of family vacations because all of my family was in Washington State. And so, you know, it's fun seeing aunts and uncles, but my favorite was always going to see grandma. You know, does anyone have a favorite family member in here just out of curiosity? You know, God doesn't play favorites. I'm playing, I'm playing. And so, but my favorite was going to go see grandma, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, because grandma, she was always fun. She was one of those grandmas who like went off the fly and said whatever she want and how she felt, right? I mean, because she's like 80 at the time. She can do that, you know what I'm saying? And so my, I always remember going up and my grandma, she was, uh, she was a lookout on Satis Peak, which was on the Yakima Indian Reservation right outside of Yakima, Washington. Shout out to DeWitt Jones. And um, he grew up there. And and so, uh, and so, you know, we spent our time, you know, up on the lookout on top of the mountains, playing cards, playing board games, grilling out, you know, doing that kind of stuff you do with grandma. Uh, but as you know, grandma got older, of course, she retired, and now she's 94 years old, and last summer we went up to go see her, and grandma's um, health is like top-notch, but her dietary choices it, it honestly blows my mind as a 94-year-old woman eating only cereal and Klondike bars. No joke that it is only by the grace of God that this woman is still alive. And so I'm serious. And so like, and so we're up there and, you know, we're, um, you know, we're visiting grandma, having a great time. And my dad is on a health kick right now. And he's making smoothies. He's juicing every morning. He's eating organic produce, which I'm all about. I'm like, yeah, go dad. Let's do this. And so one morning he gets up and, you know, he makes me and, and him and my mom a, a kale and fruit smoothie, you know, because that's what we do, you know, and it's good and I'm all about it. But we had a little leftover and he's like, he's like, hey, Jared, we should go bring this down the driveway to grandma. I said, that's a great idea. She's going to love this. Like, fruit she needs more fruit in her diet kale she needs some of that too 
And so, and so we walk down and uh, when, you know, we knock on the, on the house, it's like 8 a.m. I say, hey, Grandma, we got breakfast for you. She said, oh, what'd you bring? She said, I said, it's a smoothie. She said, what kind of smoothie? I said, it's, you know, it's got stuff in it. Just, just try it. You're going to love it, right? Okay. So my grandma tries this, and uh, I was blessed to be in the moment with a camera because her countenance, her face said it all. She didn't respond with any words after trying this, but they actually have a picture. I gave them a picture of it, and this is my grandma in the moment of trying this kale smoothie. Isn't she sweet? And so, uh, and anyway, so she tries this. She goes, what is this? I said, it's a kale smoothie. And she said, what's kale? And of course, because kale was, you know, invented in 2015, you know, I mean, that's a fact. And so, and so without, without missing a step, she walks to the window and pours that mug out. I'm like, grandma, I would have drank the rest of that. But it's like, whatever. But isn't it funny, you know, throw that picture up there. As you see, grandma, her countenance, her face says it all. She doesn't have to say any words. Her face says just enough. Her countenance speaks almost louder than words, right? Like I mentioned, I grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid, and my parents are extremely sociable. Like my dad doesn't know any strangers, okay? Like we were, we were in, we were, you know, Christmas shopping two Christmases ago in the Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We stopped to get a coffee, right? I'm getting, a, you know, my, I'm talking with my barista about what I want, and the barista says, Oh, this is weird. You look just like this little kid that I, that I saw on a missions trip in Bolivia. And my, ja- my dad interjects and goes, you're talking about Pastor so-and-so's kid about in Cochabamba. And she goes, you know Pastor so-and-so? And I was, just like, I was just like, I'm done. Like, my dad knows everyone. It's weird. And so, anyway, with being a pastor's kid, you know, so he's very sociable. So after every Sunday, you know, we're going out to eat with, you know, new people from the church, board members from the church, guest ministers, people we already know. Because my dad actually believed that the gospel actually went beyond the message and was actually something you implemented into your life. But, you know, I mean, that's like whatever, you know, he's an amazing person. And so, anyway, so we were there and we were, you know, eating dinner and stuff. But there was this look you know, I'm seven years old. There's this look that dad would give me sometimes. And it was mostly whenever I was acting up. And it was that look that is, it said, you didn't have to use words, but it said, son, when we get home, I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to lay hands on you. There's going to be a strong anointing. And I assure you, you'll never be the same again. You know, I'm trying to like convey to the people like you guys are eating with a killer and you guys don't even know it. Like you guys, I'm saying you guys ever have parents that have that look where they give it to you and you know you're done. You know, they don't have to say anything. The look says it all. The countenance says it all. Right. You know, if we're honest, our view of God can easily be the same way. We know that he says that he loves us, but really we can see the view, we can see his face, we can see his countenance, and we know that he's really actually disappointed with us, dissatisfied with us, disapproves of us because of performance. 
you know, he says that we're forgiven, right? We, you know, if you grew up in church, you know about like, you know, Jesus forgives us of our sins. We know we're forgiven, but really, if I think about it, how God views me, his face towards me, his countenance towards me is really one uh, of a furrowed brow and a question look of, you know, why are you such a screw up? Why can't you get your act together? You've been in church this long. You've been coming to 318 this long. You've heard this many sermons. You've read this many devotionals. Why can't you do better? Why can't you perform better? Why can't you behave better? Why can't you act better? Why can't you get your act together? If we're not careful, this view of God Whether it's true or not, we're going to dive into that. But this view of God begins to alter and twist everything we get. You know, we could, you know, a lot of you guys go to church on Sunday. And I'm sure a lot of you guys hear good preaching. If if you go to this church, you hear a lot of good preaching. Just a little biased opinion. And um, (laughs) I go here, that's why. And so um, anyway, but you know, you can hear a lot of good preaching. But if our view of God is faulty, if our view of God is false, if our view of God's countenance is, yeah, you're, you're my son, but I'm actually kind of ashamed to call you my son. I'm actually, I'm kind of like, I, I know you're my daughter, but like, uh, uh, like, well, it's just nominally, you know, like we're, we, we hang out like a time or two, you know, like we're, we're good, but we're not that good. It really undermines and robs us of the real freedom that the gospel is supposed to bring. And we could hear good preaching, but if our view of God's view of us isn't right, isn't correct, man, we we miss out. You know, we hear a, uh, you know, uh, sometimes our view of God can be like fickle like the flower. You know, sometimes some people you hear kindergarten, you, you know, took the flower and like, you know, oh, she loves me. She loves me not. Or he loves me. He loves me not. And you go through the thing, right? And sometimes that might be with God, but you know that if you're not, you know, performing right, if your obedience isn't right, if you're, um, if you're not adhering to the religious regulations or to the Christ-like customs that, you know, yeah, God, like, accepts you into the family, but you're, like, the black sheep. Like, you're the guy who's not invited to, like, all the parties or doesn't get on the good stuff of God because of that, you know? And, of course, you know, we have scriptures like Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1. It says, look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ear is not stopped up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. The wrong-headed lives caused the split between you and God. Your sin got between you so that he doesn't hear. Uh, The NIV says it like this, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You see, whenever we sin, whenever we have a moment of weakness, whenever we have a moment of, of frailty, whenever we mess up, whenever we don't quite amount to it, you know, sometimes we know God's view of us can get kind of skewed. We know it because, I mean, we just read it right there, right? Our sins separate us from God. Our sins hide his face from him. Hide his face from us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that feeling of guilt and condemnation. You know, I titled this message, Viewmasters, because there was this age-old relic 
I'm going to date myself a little bit, but in 1997, there was a monumentous toy that came out that really like changed the industry of how we play with toys and really actually how we read books. It was called Viewmaster. Anyone here remember what Viewmaster is? Anyone? Okay, we got one, two. All right, throw up a Viewmaster. Three. Okay, this is a Viewmaster. Any of y'all remember this? Y'all remember this? Okay, all right, yeah, this is for the people who grew up on that side of town that didn't have a Game Boy. Me, you know, this was our go-to, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so if you don't know how a Viewmaster works, it's a lot like a kaleidoscope. You look through that thing, and you put these little discs in, and it's got these little black squares, right? And those black squares are pictures, and so as you put them in there, you look through the Viewmaster and you could see a picture. And it was typically an audio book, right? So it was like Winnie the Pooh or like some Disney thing, right? So, you know, like, uh, you know, like instead of reading a picture book, you would listen to the book and flip it when it told you to flip. So it was like a cop-out for those of us who really didn't like reading in like, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. You know what I'm saying? Like past many book reports with this mug right here. You know what I'm saying? And so... But if you're not careful, if you, if you got to flipping too fast or if you put it in wrong, those divider lines in between the pictures would actually get jarred in there and they would block it to where you didn't really have a clear view of what was being said. You kind of saw a partial picture over here, a partial picture over here, and just like this big black swath. You know, you just like couldn't, you couldn't clearly see what was going on, you know? And if, if, you know, I, I view it exactly like that, it's the same thing with God. Sin gets in the way of us clearly seeing God, clearly seeing a picture of God, clearly seeing who God is, how he acts, what he walks like, what he talks like, right? Uh, Lewis and I were talking about this at More Coffee. Shameless plug to More Coffee right there. Go get a Cortado. And um, we were talking about this whole concept of viewmasters. And Lewis said it like this. He said, Jared, you know, if we don't learn to master our view, our view will master us. If we don't master our view, our view will master us. If we don't master the ability to view God right, our inability or our, our, our wrong view of God will master everything that we do. You know, the Bible says this in Job chapter 13. Job, he's going through a, he's going through a really hard time, a very hard predicament. He says, uh, and you know, he lost a whole lot of land, lost a whole lot of agriculture, lost a whole lot of property, and his kids even died in these crazy, crazy uh, circumstances. And, and he's flustered in the moment and, and boils up and his perception on God, which is wrong, he yells out, he says, he says this, he says, why do you hide your face from me, God? Why do you consider me as one of your enemies? In a point of frustration, in a point of, of tenseness, he feels as if God's not really even looking at him. You know, uh, back to our story with Jesus in John chapter 8, uh, this woman is placed in front of Jesus, you know, and uh, it says right here in John chapter 8, they put her in front of the crowd and they said, teacher, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law says to stone her, but what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? 
Jesus then begins to portray really the face of the Father. You know what, if we're talking about this, you know, we have this skewed view of God's face. We have this skewed view of God's countenance. We don't really know. We know he says he loves us, but does he like really like what's God's face towards me? If you grew up in church, you're probably thinking, maybe you'd be thinking about Noah or uh, Moses, where Moses is talking to God, and he's like, God, show me your glory. And God's like, I ain't going to show you my face, homie, and, and, but you can see my back, you know. And, you know, like, we don't even get the glimpse of it. Like, God, what's God's face towards me even look like? How does God view me? What if we could establish tonight in our next few moments that God is eternally and perpetually approving of you, accepting of you, loving you with a kind, gracious look? That'd be a game changer, wouldn't it? Like, that'd be a game changer about how we begin to view ourselves. It'd be a game changer how we begin to view others. What if tonight, November 13th, 2017, we could finally settle it once and for all. God is a God of love. Like that, that'd be something, you know, worth looking into, wouldn't it? So here, Jesus, the, I'm sorry, the Pharisees, they throw this woman caught in the act of adultery. Now you got to understand what she did is not good. First off, you, you know, you don't commit adultery by yourself obviously, right? So she's committing adultery. She is sleeping with another woman's husband. She's dividing a house. She's, 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 she's being this seductress who's drawing this husband away from her wife. He's causing a husband to be unfaithful to his wife, to be unfaithful to his kids. Like this isn't a good thing, right? And so this woman is definitely deserves to be brought before Jesus because what she's doing isn't okay, and so the Pharisees bring her before Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Moses says that she should be stoned. What do you say? Now, Moses, what they're quoting here is the book of Leviticus. And that's a part of the Bible, okay? So we could easily say, Jesus, the Bible says that this woman should be stoned. Jesus, that's what the Bible says. What do you say, Jesus? You know, if we have an unhealthy view of God, if we view God as a judgmental God, a God who has a furrowed brow and an angry look at us, it's very easy for that, whenever we sin, it's very easy for that to flow over whenever other people sin, that we get angry about other people's sin, that we begin to yell at other people about their sin and, and, and let them know how terrible and how awful and how deplorable of a person they are. If that's how God views us, 